wife. Thank you. Um, oh, I'm on. Um, can we just pray? I'm really excited about speaking this morning, and I have so much I want to say, and I'm not enough time to say it in. And, and there's a lack of, um, as much as I've got stuff to say, there's a lack of experience in communicating, and I really need the help of the Holy Spirit to ensure that I pick up the right strands and go down the route that the Holy Spirit wants me to um, go down. So I would really love it if you would just pray your best prayers for me. I am going to pray my best prayer now. Um, yeah, Father, thank you that you have welcomed us. And Father, I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit and you would take this um, weak, inexperienced vessel and you would use it to glorify your name, Jesus. We want you to be glorified and we want our lives to point to you in all that we do and in how we live. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us this morning. Amen. Amen. Okay, I've been really enjoying the Salt and Life series. Um, it's just really helpful, really practical advice on how we live our lives and how that impacts those around us and how it gives us opportunities to share the gospel, the importance of our character, how we communicate, and that even when we are in the midst of suffering, we can, we can be speaking to people about Jesus and communicating the gospel. Well, today we're going to be looking at the welcome of the gospel, and you might be thinking, what's welcome got to do with the gospel, or do you mean how I say hello when I come into church on a Sunday? No, I, I, I don't really mean that. What, what we mean is, um, why is welcome important? Welcome is important because it's at the heart of who God is. God is a welcoming God, and God has welcomed us. If you love Jesus, if you are a follower of Jesus this morning, you have been welcomed well. You have been welcomed into the presence of God. You have been welcomed into the family of God. You have access to the Most High God, to his throne room, 24-7. Extravagant is your welcome from God. And just to be clear, it's not anything that we have done. Nothing at all. It is good. It is good. We were enemies of God. We had a barrier between us and God. And God dealt with it. God made a way. I was thinking about in history, throughout history, humanity has created gods. You think of the Roman gods, Greek gods. My son's really into all that kind of Greek mythology. Those gods are people start with themselves and project up to God. So what happens is those gods are moody and fickle and bad-tempered and get jealous because when you start with us and project up, that's what you get. You get what's in us projected. But when we see God, we can only understand the goodness of God because he has revealed himself to us. And he is not like that. He is good. He is love. And he made a way for us. So while there was a a bridge that needed to be um, built between us and God, God did it. God acted. God made a way. It It says in Romans... Is it up there? It says in Romans that we were enemies of God. And whilst we were enemies of God, Jesus came and died 
for us. That any who put their trust in him will know the welcome of God. God does it. It's God's initiative. His rescue package from conception to fulfillment, salvation belongs to God. And I've been thinking about this, been mulling over the incarnation. That's what we call when Jesus came to earth. And if I'm honest, I don't think I would have chosen 2,000 years ago. I think there's easier ways to communicate that we have discovered in more recent times. So if Jesus came now, he could do the Sermon of the Mount, he could preach that, and that could be broadcast simultaneously across the world to millions of people. But Jesus didn't do that. And it says in Romans that at the right time, Christ came. Jesus is Lord of all history. We sing that, don't we? History belongs to God. He's the Alpha and Omega. He could have chosen any time. He chose a specific time, a specific location. And it tells us so much about the character of God. It's up close and personal. It's not distant. It's not preaching from a distance. It's living life. When Jesus came, the Bible says, when we see Jesus, we see God. And how did he do it? How did he communicate the love of God? Up close and personal. Jesus lived an invitational life. He did life with people. He ate with people, talked with people, laughed with people, grieved with people. Oh, find that staggering. That's the God we worship. He came close. He came close. He lived a touchable life. When you read the Gospels, the Gospels are the best four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. If you don't know Jesus, it's really worth reading those books. And when you read them, you can, you can feel the heat. You can see the dust. You can, you can taste it. It's real. It's not a... It's not a Ethereal, is that a word? It's not out there, it's up close. Jesus came near and lived with people. There's the most beautiful verses in the Bible. It's the shortest verse in the Bible. It's this, Jesus wept. Jesus wept when his friend Lazarus died. Jesus didn't come and live life through a glass where he could kind of see us, but just kept himself back. Jesus got so involved and loved people with abandon. He drew close. This is the welcome of the gospel that we have. It says in the message... I've chosen a message, I find it really helpful. It says, The word became flesh and blood, this is John chapter 1, and moved into the neighbourhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. This is Jesus. He came and camped. Well, Hannah's just been talking about camping. I hate camping. But when you camp... You, if someone's snoring in the tent next door, you hear it. If someone's cooking bacon, you smell it. If they're arguing, you see it. There's no hiding, is there? And that's how Jesus came. No hiding. Total access. It's not aloof. It's not distant. It's close. It's involved. Jesus models how to welcome And looking at that, Jesus does it, I think, in in two ways, really. Jesus is a guest. 
He's a guest a lot. He goes to people's houses a lot. He invites himself to dinner. He's, he's not, there's, there's a humility there. He's the king of kings, lord of lords. And he invites himself to dinner. He has your hospitality. He, he, he ate with sinners. He ate with the despised. He ate with the respectable. He ate with people that whilst they were eating together, he knew they were trying to trick him, trip him up, catch him out. And he was still there, still there, eating with them. Jesus ate with Judas. If you're new this morning and you don't know who Judas is, Judas spent three years with Jesus, seeing him heal people, seeing him touch people with compassion and kindness. And Judas betrayed Jesus. And Jesus ate with him again and again and again. When we look at the example of Jesus, we see that not only does he draw close, but he lives a poured out life. It's not just, sometimes we think about his death and resurrection. It's his life too. It's how he did it. It's how he drew near. It's how he loved and loved and loved and loved, whether he was rejected or not. He was also a host, which is interesting because Jesus didn't have his own home. In his ministry time, it says, the son of man has no place to lay my head. He, he didn't have a home, but he still managed to host he, in particular, hosted the feeding of the 5,000, the feeding of the 4,000. They're recorded. Um, and I want, if we can, to just look specifically at one occasion when Jesus hosts. I'm reading from... I don't know. I didn't write where I'm reading from. I'm not very sensible. Right. I'm reading from Matthew. Matthew chapter 14, verse 6. I found it now. But when Herod's birthday came... The daughter of Herodias danced before the company and pleased Herod, so that he promised with an oath to give her whatever she might ask. Prompted by her mother, she said, Give me the head of John the Baptist here on a platter. And the king was sorry, but because of his oaths and his guests, he commanded it to be given. He sent and had John beheaded in the prison, and his head was brought on a platter and given to the girl, and she brought it to her mother. And his disciples came and took the body and buried it, and they went and told Jesus. Now when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd, and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy feed for themselves. But Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples. And the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. And it goes down to, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountains by himself to pray. 
I find that such a, a hard-to-read passage, actually. I think um, just the, the shocking treatment of John the Baptist, it's barbaric. And there's a mocking to it. It's a sort of mocking savagery of his head. This is a prophet of God, and his head is delivered on a platter. And then Jesus hears this, and who wants to withdraw? There's a wickedness has prevailed against John the Baptist. And there is a time coming when wickedness is going to prevail against Jesus. Jesus sees John's disciples, grief-stricken, bewildered, with a body to bury. And there will be a day when his disciples are grief-stricken and bewildered with a body. The, the cross looms a bit nearer during this passage. No wonder Jesus wants to withdraw. No wonder he needs to go to his father and get fortified, get strengthened to keep on going to the cross. And yet when he gets to the place where he wants to withdraw, there is a crowd in front of him. And this is our saviour. He doesn't say, not now. Oh, do you know, I do want to care for you, but I really need a bit of time. I've got some processing to do. He doesn't do that. He has compassion. He's moved by compassion, and he heals the sick. And then he feeds them all, all of them. Not one isn't included. It's the invitation of God. Not one isn't included. All are welcome. All are fed. This is our saviour. This is what he's like. He doesn't draw back. He pushes in with outrageous love and grace that keeps on going further than we want to go, holds on longer than we want to hold on for. And I think this is what welcome is. It's about loving God and loving others in the way that Jesus has loved others. And he models it. So beautifully. It's really moving, isn't it? I'm hoping I'm not the only one moved. It's really moving how Jesus just doesn't withdraw but pushes in. And yes, don't get me wrong, we need to get fortified in God. We need to withdraw and get strengthened. But Jesus does do that as well. When they're fed and sent off, Jesus does do that. He goes to his Father. But he's focused on his mission. And people are not a means to an end for his mission. The people are the mission. Loving God, pointing them to him, pointing to himself, to knowing him. He is really our example. And we sing a lot about giving God our all. And I think that this is what it looks like. I think it looks like loving people really, really well. So who are we to welcome? The Bible actually talks loads about welcoming people. But I've kind of put it into three groups. He asks us to welcome those in distress. He asks us to welcome those who are different to ourselves. And he asks us to welcome the people of God. And when we do that, Jesus is glorified. When we love others, Jesus is glorified. Um, when we were living in the north, um, we 
uh, yeah, John, John would often meet people, so he, he meets people a lot. And he rang me once to say, We've got, uh, I've just met this family, they've just arrived in town, they've got nothing, and I've invited them for dinner. Um, and that's okay. And then he said, But when they come around, I'm just going to pop out because I really need to get stuff for them. We need to raise our friends' lofts for roll mats and sleeping bags and whatever we can because they've literally got nothing. Um, and they came, and it was a really fun evening, and they've got beautiful children. A weird thing happens, actually, because I don't speak Arabic, and she doesn't speak English, but we managed to communicate all evening. It was just the grace of God. Um, and then when they went to their home, um, John and our children went with them, took all the stuff we'd got together, and they took a ball, and they played football in this house. And um, John was saying to me afterwards, well, there was nothing in the house. There was nothing to break, because there was nothing there. So they just messed about, kicked a ball about. Um, and you might think that's really, really basic. But this family had arrived in town with nothing. And if we hadn't had them round, they would have gone to bed with nothing, they would have gone to bed hungry, they would have had a roof over their heads, but it was cold, and they would have been lonely, and they would have been isolated, and they would have been frightened because of all that happened to them to bring them to that state. But actually, what happened is they were welcomed, and they were loved, and they were valued. And I don't tell you that story, so you say, oh, wow, amazing, the wowsies. I don't tell, I tell you that story because I am ashamed. Because when John rang, I thought, what? I don't know them. I don't want people I don't know in my house. What am I going to cook? I'm not a brilliant cook. It's not my strong point. And so it's an insecurity for me. It's like it pushes buttons. And also... I am married to an extrovert. I am not an extrovert. I am really an introvert. I am actually at times really shy. And the thought of having people in my home and then being left with them made me just feel sick. It made my stomach churn. Um, unfortunately, unfortunately, for the grace of God, I didn't say no. Um, how awful would that have been for this family? Um, but it taught me something. It taught me something about... It's not much. We didn't do much. We just had dinner and we found roll mats. We didn't do much, but it communicated love to these people. And um, what we didn't know then, but they weren't in town for long, only three or four weeks, but um, John was privileged to spend quite a bit of time with them. We didn't know... We didn't know the level of torture that one of them had been through. When they came for dinner, we didn't know the trauma that they had been through. And John got to talk about Jesus. John got to talk about Jesus being tortured and being able to forgive. And none of that would have happened if we hadn't had the opportunity to just really practically love them. Alfie said, I think it was Alfie on his video, said, people don't care what you've got to say until they know you care. And it really doesn't take very much. Just doing dinner isn't very much. And I think sometimes we, we sing, Lord, I'll give you my all. But we have areas where we don't actually want to give our all. Or I was thinking about this. When I was uh, in my late teens, early 20s, I did some... Uh, I volunteered for a charity that worked with children um, affected by HIV and AIDS, and I used to have a family that I visited regularly and just take the children out, and I loved it. Um, 
It was really good fun. It was easy. We used to go swimming. It, it wasn't a hardship. It was just hanging out on a Saturday afternoon. And then in my second year at college, I worked and volunteered for Oasis, working with homeless. And again, I really loved it. I used to go chat with people. Fascinating how people's lives, just listening to them. And for sure, God was shaping me and changing my heart and stuff. But actually, it was all on my terms. I chose, I literally looked through a book of ministries and thought, what would I like to do? I was at a Bible college as well as with Gifted Ministries. And um, I thought I'd do that. I like doing that, but actually it wasn't that costly because it was on my terms. I went and I came back. There, there, wasn't, there wasn't the invitational life that... It's not wrong, don't get me wrong, it was a good thing to do, but it didn't nail some of the things in my heart about why I don't always want to do things, why I want to pull back rather than stepping up. But I think God calls us to step up. I think God calls us to love with abandon, because we have been loved with abandon. We, Jesus didn't hold anything back, and that's, that's, that's how we've been loved, that's how we can love others. I, we're told to love those in distress, we're told to love those who are different to ourselves. So we're not told, we're invited. God invites us to step in to loving people. And then what happens when we do it is we find that we get flooded with love. There was a time um, in, in my work where I had to deal with a lady that's really tricky lady, and she's really argumentative, really, you know, sometimes people come and all their sin sort of comes before them. She's a little bit like that. She's really tricky to handle, and I was really frustrated with her. She, she, I'm a bit of a rule person, and she'd broken a rule, and I needed to talk to her about it. And um, I was a bit, I think I was going to be quite abrasive, quite abrupt, and fortunately, John and um, Katie Landles prayed for me. Just, let's just pray for you before you go and talk, speak to this lady. And um, they did. And I got to her, and something had changed in my heart. I didn't do it. God did it. And I spoke to her differently. And we have quite a good relationship now, actually, this lady and I. And she, um, her life is a mess. And she regularly comes and almost just, pours it out in front of me and I keep loving her and not that long ago um, she was uh, she, she comes to Food Bank she was leaving Food Bank and she turned around and she said to me you love me and I was totally blown away totally blown away because I didn't start with but God did it in me all, all you have to do is be willing I think and I thought, I'd, she's not been to my house. I haven't been to her house. Um, but something has happened. There's been a, a communication that's happened. She is feeling valued. And I think, no, she doesn't know that God loves her yet. We have told her. Um, but she knows that we do. And it's a step, isn't it? It's a step in the right direction. It's like, like someone loves me. It, it blew me away, actually, but it also really humbled me because I think, I, honestly, I feel like I'm showing you all the times I just get it wrong because I, I do. I, I, I don't always want to step up. 
But when we give God just the tiniest bit of room, he will meet us in our weakness and he will shape us and he will make us more like Jesus because that's what he promises to do. He promises to make us more like our saviour if we give him opportunity. I haven't particularly, I'm really aware of time, I haven't particularly talked about loving the people of God But I just want to say that I find this to be such a welcoming, loving community. Um, We have been welcomed really well. All our children have been welcomed so well. Even this morning. Gosh, I was loved so much before we started this morning. Um, So that's... But loving one another, it glorifies Jesus. It glorifies Jesus. But while I was um, preparing for this, I was... Uh, thinking about how people discount themselves. And you might be sitting there thinking, well, I don't have a Christian partner. I can't, you know, you're talking about having people around. My partner wouldn't be on board with that. Or I have um, unsaved children um, or grandchildren. I had a real sense of people that really care for their grandchildren. And um, when, years ago, two of my kids were in a cross-country, they got through to the... County, got through to county. And um, I went to watch them, and the first child, uh, he, he was <laughs> right at the start, he got totally knocked and like, kind of trampled. And by the time he got up, the, the runners were just in the distance. Anyway, he put his head down, he ran, he caught them up. And then I was standing a little bit near the finish, not that near the finish, um, but a bit near the finish. And um, the people, runners were going past, and I was like, where is he? I was thinking he'd be in the first half. Where is he? And then I saw him, and he had given all he'd got in catching up because he'd been so far behind. He had really kind of given all he'd got. And um, he, I saw him, and his head was down. And it's funny because I was absolutely... You know parents, you get laden with your kids' stuff. I had bags and coats and you name it. But I started running alongside him, and I started shouting, come on, you can do it. And his head came up and he started to run and run and he was overtaking and he finished well. He finished strong. And then I was like, it's completely out of breath. And then, and then my next child, I thought, be fine, it's not going to happen again. Second race, they got off to fly and start. Thank goodness for that. And then the same thing, people are coming past and where are they? They're not there. And then when they come into sight, they're crying and they've got this a hideous earache. Turns out they had an ear infection. And they just would kind of, I can't do it. And again, <laughs> come on! And I start running alongside them. It's quite funny because I am quite shy, but I'm kind of literally pushing people out of the way so I can keep running along the track, shouting, come on, you can do it! And again, strength comes, enthusiasm comes, the finish line, and they start to overtake and they finish well. They leave it all on the track. And when I was preparing, I had a sense that there are people here this morning and you live an invitational, welcoming life and you don't realise it because you don't think of it like that. You just think, well, my partner's not a Christian. My children aren't a Christian. My grandchildren that I constantly care for, they're not Christians. It's just my life. It's not, I'm not inviting people out there. This is, just, this is just my people. It's not that I'm doing anything. And I believe God would say, yes, 
you are. You are living a welcoming, invitational life. And I believe God wants to shout over you, come on, well done, keep going, keep pursuing, keep running. I am pleased with you, I am proud of you, and I am with you to the finish. I, I don't know if that resonates with people, but what I'd really love, if you are living an invitational life and you haven't realised it till today, you haven't seen that you are just loving those around you, and that that's it. You don't think you're doing anything special. God says, yes, you are. Yes, you are. And I believe God wants to release faith to you. It's all very well me shouting, come on. But when the Lord of hosts is shouting, come on, when the Lord and King of all is saying, I'm watching you and I'm seeing you and I'm loving what you're doing and let me pour my strength into you that you can keep on running, you can keep on doing it, you can keep on loving those around you, well, then you get strength to go again, don't you? Then you get strength to go again. So I would really love it. If, that, if you feel like that's you, if you, I don't know, do you want to stand and we just pray that Holy Spirit just, if, that's, if you feel like, yeah, I, actually I'm loving people and I've never realised it and I need fresh, fresh filling from God, I'd love it if you could just stand. Father, we love you. But when we see your goodness and your mercy and your kindness, when we see that you keep going, that you, as it were, laid it all on the tracks, when you love with abandon, we are in awe of you. We worship you. We love you, Jesus. We're so proud of you. We're so proud to be your people. And Lord, I want to thank you for everyone who has stood. I want to thank you for the people they represent. The loved ones they carry in their hearts. And Father, I want to pray for a fresh in filling from you, Holy Spirit. I pray that they would hear your well done, your roar over them. Lord, I pray for strength to come. Lord, I want to pray for a deposit of faith to come. For those who've got unsaved children and partners, and it has been years, Lord, we we pray for fresh faith from you to keep on running, to keep on loving well. Holy Spirit, thank you. Thank you, you draw near. Thank you, you equip us. Thank you that you strengthen us. We love you, Lord. Amen.